0: Hello and welcome to Las Blancas podcast. I'm your host, Om Arvin. And as always, I'm joined by Grant Little. Today, we're going to talk about Real Madrid Femenino's 2-0 victory over Yuri Granadilla Tenerife in what was an absolutely crucial win in terms of our prospects for qualifying for the Champions League. I mean, as it stands, Grant, we've come oh so close to completing the remontada were two points off Granada and Atletico Madrid who are in fourth place and third place respectively on 46 points they're tied but they have or we have a game in hand on them so if we were to win our next game versus Levante if i'm remembering correctly and finally all of the matches played matches up we would be one point ahead of them now that's not a given we still have to go and win that match but for the first time in this entire league season, destiny is technically in our hands. You remember that conversation we had way back in 2021? where I, like, was this I said there was no way. <laughs> you, you, could, you like drew me into that. And like, I was like, no, nah, maybe I think so. I think so. And then I, I finally concluded. It. I think December, like, okay, that's it. Right? It's done. And then there was the manager change. and. Things have like completely turned around since then. Obviously, not, it's not one-to-one with the manager change. Obviously, it did have an effect. A lot of injured players came back, and we've been able to go on this awesome run, only losing to Barcelona in the midst of all of this. I think the thing about this one, Grant, is there were some frustrations with the way we performed, but this time it was about the execution rather than the scheme, because at the end of the day, there should have been a lot more goals, shouldn't there have?
1: Yeah, I think we could have had two or three in the first half and two and three, two or three in the second half if we were on our day. It felt like we were just completely off in the final third. It felt like we were pretty good in the middle part of the pitch for a lot of the game, but then once we entered the final third, you just weird passes, interesting decision-making, and it just really didn't click. But luckily enough, we had two moments where we
0: were able to, to click and, and get those two goals. Lineups. Kasi and Cardona were missing. Both have certain injury issues. Kasi, something to do with her knee, is what I've heard. And then, as we mentioned before, Cardona has a quadriceps issue that, as far as I still know, will keep her out for the rest of the month. Aslani also left out has some kind of muscle overload issue. It's just been a really rough season for her, like injury problem after injury problem, not being able to recover properly, barely getting a stretch of games. The one time she did have a stretch, you and I, I think, agreed that that was her best three-game stretch in a Madrid shirt. So it's not been a question of delivering when she's on the pitch. She's just barely been on the pitch at all. So those were the three big names missing. We had Carla Camacho and Paula Partido come in to kind of replace them. And they got some brief minutes off the bench at the end. I don't know how much would have to say about that, but it's always nice to see the young players get some minutes in. So the starting 11, given that we only have three central midfielders because Kasi is out, was Kenti, Sveva, Ivana, Rocio was the back four. And given that I'm just reading this off Google that's probably not the way I would have wanted to because I just read both full backs together and then center back. Google has this really interesting thing where they can almost never get the lineup correctly. So right now I'm looking at Speva at right center back and Rosio Gavez at left back. And then understandably, they put Ivana at left center back. But for whatever reason today, we swapped back to her on the right. And I think she had a notable performance. So we can talk about that again. So that was the back line. And then the midfield line was Carolina Muller-Hansen mostly on the right wing. Double pivot of Teresa Beira and Claudio Zornoza, Ateneo del Castillo on the left wing, Esther Naikari strike partnership, and obviously Misa on goal. So Misa, uh, pardon me, Maite is is the big name missing in this eleven. I knew one central midfielder was probably going to be left out because Purillo would would maybe want one off the bench as a sub, but I also think at this point he just sees Maite as a number 10 more than as, as a central midfielder. And so if he was going to leave someone out. Then it was going to be Maite in terms of the fact that, okay, Esther and Nayakari were going to be the strike partnership up front. I thought that was a little strange in the context of the fact that she also didn't start versus Atletico Madrid. And so if you think about it, in our two most important lead matches of the season, Maite Oroz has not started. And she's our best midfielder, in my opinion. I don't know how controversial that is. I know a lot of people rate how Zonosa has been playing, but I, I think pretty clearly Maite is the one with, who delivers the highest level on the pitch out of any of the midfielders in our squad so she didn't start but i don't think it necessarily mattered in this one i think it really mattered versus at this one i think we were clearly the superior side regardless for most of the 90 minutes so what did you think of this 11 i mean I, I don't know if there's that much discussed by my besides Mite. i mean were you surprised that she didn't start this one I was a little surprised to see her not
1: start this one, but she did play extensive minutes against Barcelona, and you knew Zornosa was going to be in the starting lineup because she was suspended for the Barcelona match. So I think, you know, the initial shock factor of Maite not being in there was there, but then when I kind of walked it back in my mind and how he's been rotating the squad, it made a little bit more sense, but that, that point that you had about, you know, Atleti and this game being two of the most important games and might they not being in either of them is interesting and i don't know whether it's because we think they're the most important because they're against direct competition and Toriel thinks maybe they weren't the two most important because we had to save face against barcelona which obviously didn't happen we talked about that a lot last game and i wonder how that played into some of his rotations
0: yeah so the good thing as i said is that ultimately I don't know if I'd say comfortable performance, but yeah, this was one that, from a probability perspective, based on how the game went out, we'd win this like 90 out of 100 times. It was that type of performance. It was one of the more unbalanced performances in terms of how well the opposition played, how well we played in the league this season. Like there have been a ton of games, whether ones we lost, whether ones we won, where we could say someone was better than the other, but it didn't like feel like there's a true level of dominance in this one. I really felt like we had Granadilla's number. And part of that was the way they defended. And we can get into that and discuss all of that. So, Granadilla basically mirroring our shape with a 442, 4231, with Sydney Nacello playing in a strike partnership up top with Martin Prieto. Nacello, if you're unaware, being a player that was initially signed by the Portland Thorns and then waived after it was revealed. Drafted, not signed. Yeah, drafted. drafted, My bad. Drafted. It's a whole different thing with the NWSL, and then waived after it came out afterwards that she had made a number of social media comments, some of them being extremely transphobic, others being more directly political in the sense of liking, retweeting stuff, saying Obama was born in Kenya, that kind of thing. And after that came out and that sort of stuff, Portland decided, okay, this doesn't fit the values of our organization, and waived her. Real Betis were going to sign her at a certain point. And then Juan Carlos, the coach, stated that he became aware of these facts and decided not to sign her. She found a place at Granadilla, who were apparently okay with all of these things. And so she started in that lineup. And so far, she's looked to have been a very useful player for them. That was the kind of the, the setup for Granadilla. Really kind of interesting tactics versus us, I think. They, they've been a team that have gone really under the radar in terms of when everyone talks about who's the most exciting, who are you looking forward to? Barcelona, obviously number one, but then you get the typical candidates, you get Real Sociedad, Real Madrid, Atleti, and then maybe the under the radar pick or the the smart person's pick would be Athletic Bilbao, right? They're doing really well, Andrea Raya, Taregi, playing some nice football. Sort of put themselves in the conversation for Champions League spots very briefly, but it's looking like an outside shot now. And almost no one has like talked about Granada. Like the the general mood for Madrid, Madridistas coming into this one was not one of fear. It was not like it was versus Atleti. It was not like it was versus Barca. It was not like it was versus Real Sociedad. It's not even like it is going to be versus Levante. And some Madridistas even saw saying like. I feel like I'm going to regret not being scared for this one. And it's obvious, right? Like the the players they have on, on the team, a person who follows the league will know some of them, but there's not so many names that pop off the page like other teams in terms of their reputation as, as footballers, they've just been a really good collective unit this season that have just been able to, to be greater than the sum of their parts. And I don't think they played particularly well versus us. And there was just there was a clear quality difference and kind of a suggestion that their ability to sustain this charge towards the Champions League spots might not be able to hold as we get as, as we go into the final third of the season. But there were certain moments where you got the sense that like, OK, this is this is kind of a well-drilled unit. So how did you feel about the way Granadia approached this game, particularly in the opening minutes? But I guess you can kind of just speak do it broadly if you want to.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of similar from what we've seen when we played them previously whether it be uh last year or this season where some some pressure up front when we're trying to play out of the back, trying to pick balls off in our uh building third so that they can kind of go quickly in transition and try and catch us out with numbers and then dropping back into more of a 442 or 4231 block and just kind of absorbing pressure and then looking to find Nacello or Prieto in behind afterwards. I think that they found a bit of success in the first 15 minutes with some of that pressure, picking some passes, there were a little, some loose touches from Real Madrid, and they, and they probably created their best opportunities of the game in those moments, even though they weren't really clear-cut chances because they did not create much all-game. But I think we quickly adjusted and were able to kind of dominate in between the
0: 18-yard boxes for the majority of this game. Granalia had some moments beginning and towards the end of the match where, for whatever reason, turnovers became a problem for us when it wasn't for the majority of the match, and they were able to transition forward. Most of them were offside, but they did give us a little bit of trouble on set pieces and stuff like that. Misa was mostly up to the task, as you'd expect, making one really crucial intervention coming off her line to save a one versus one with Kristen Martin-Prieto, which they had a laugh about afterwards because it was a bit of a hefty collision when she came out. I think this was off of a turnover that from us that caused that. And so I think that basically was the end of, of, of Granadier's threat. The other notable, I mean, not really notable chance, but there weren't that many. Nacello, her best moment was driving inside and putting a shot that initially looked like was really close on goal. And then you got a good angle and it was always going wide. And so that was really the extent of what they were able to produce. They did have some decent stuff like in possession because they were surprising. I think because like we were exchanging possessions so much because it was it was kind of open. It was kind of end to end. And and this gets back to how the Nanandia were defending, but they had a lot of their own possession spells. And in the beginning, it was breaking down super easily in wide areas. Right. They just were not able to get it going. We were defending from our classic 442, 4411 block, the striker interchanging from one of the deeper ball players and the other one going to, to, to press the center back and that dance going back and forth. There were certain moments where you could see like they had some mechanisms clicking that when they're able to rotate the ball quickly, the touches were good. They're able to quickly get the ball in wide areas or try to play in behind the defensive line. Just wasn't consistent enough. I'm not that surprised by that. In terms of what they were doing defensively, this is where I think this this was the real failure from them, and which the coaches is going to look back on this and be like, "Man, this is where we lost the game." Was they were not really pressing in in like the very conventional sense, right? It was not a super high line, but it they were trying to apply pressure from the front two, Nasella and Martin Prieto from a mid block structure. And very much in the same way that we were doing in terms of, okay, one striker is going to sit on the deeper central midfielder. The other one goes to press the center back. And like, that's how we're going to deal with the two versus three disadvantage. It's just something about the coordination and the intensity of that just felt off. Like maybe they respected us too much. They were a little intimidated coming and playing us away from home. And they're like, you know, they were thinking to minds like, is this really a good idea to do this versus the type of midfield they had? Right, we just had ball players throughout the entire pitch, right? No Kasi today, so it was a Tere Zornosa double pivot in front of Ivana Rocio, which is our best ball playing central defensive duo. And whatever the reason, it just wasn't intense enough. They didn't commit enough to what they were doing out of that mid block, and so it wasn't that difficult a lot of times for especially Ivana to do what she does really well from that right-hand side of the pitch, where everything with her body orientation just seems to click is take that touch against the grain of pressure, drive into the middle of the pitch buy time for her to search for the option and then play the vertical pass. And because they were trying to apply a little bit of pressure from that mid block, their central midfielders stepped up to our central midfielders. And there was just this massive gap between midfield and defense. That made it somewhat easy for the likes of Ivana with her quality to just keep finding the passes into the, into the front four, who could then turn and look to hit a, a back line that's accelerating towards their own goal. That was like a really bad situation for Granadilla to be in. And like if you think about what is the ideal dynamic for Real Madrid to play against, it's a team that decides to pressure us from a mid-block setting, right so we're not pinned closer to our goal we have time to carry the ball up and they do it imperfectly that's perfect for us because then we can suddenly generate these types of progressions towards goal that we normally struggle to do versus sides that sit off look to be more compact and all we can do is just kind of go wide and and sort of try to figure it out from there Granavia not being able to pull off what they were trying to do was just a death sentence because Tere, who I'm going to let you just talk about when we, when we get to her, she was just super comfortable, just taking touches out of pressure, playing the, the forward passes, and it just felt like to me, okay, this is the game for Naikari Garcia. Obviously, she had that chipped goal a little while back that we just came as huge relief. To everyone, but she hasn't had like a marquee. This is the Nayakari Garcia game. And this just felt like the one to me because she is a player who is very wily with her movement. And that essentially is the fundamental nature of her impact, right? She has solid technique. She knows how to protect the ball well. She can link play, but she's not super, super high volume with it. And she's not an overwhelmingly dominant. The technical center forward, right? That's not, she's not gonna be a passing monster. She's not gonna be a creation monster. She's not gonna be a dribbling monster. She has clean technique and that's it. On top of that, she's not dominant physically, right? And I think this is part of the reasons with, with her struggles this season, on top of a variety of other factors, because it's never just one thing, but she cannot just generate an easy shot for herself out of the blue, right? She's not that strong, she's not that fast. And so in, in a lot of senses, this is why Esther, in a context where we're not able to reliably get to the final third and just create a bunch of box entries, Esther seems to like be better suited for this because she's obviously someone who just has something extra physically to where she could just find a shot from outside the box, or she just has that extra bit of pace, that lift in the air, that height, that strength to be able to get on the end of a cross in a way that Naikari can't like she needs to just she's more about waiting for service taking advantage of a team that can constantly pepper the opposition and using her movement using her instincts will be able to find a way onto goal and when we've been so inconsistent offensively as we've been all season really unhelped by the fact that Cardona the most efficient offensive player that, that we had last season the most decisive offensive player like missing that and you have like Athenea's inconsistencies as brilliant as she is a constant questions about who the other player is going to be on the flank. It's definitely been a very tough environment for her, but this one really felt like to me, like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what she's been waiting for, because what we have now is an environment where we can just thread through ball after through ball and take advantage of the fact that Nayakari can time her runs well, get in behind and go one-on-one with the goalkeeper, because these runs off the shoulder are something she's really good at. And she loves to get on the end of through balls. And again, given how we play a lot of the time, there's just, we don't really have an environment to do a lot of that, right? Here comes the frustrating part. Our execution in those passes was just terrible. Like there's no other way to put it. And I don't even say that in like, my God, this, this is means badly for the future. It was just one of those days where the execution was off. Like, I, I don't think there's that much more to say about it, right? It doesn't necessarily worry me because you expect players of, our, of, of the caliber that we have to just do a lot better in those situations, right? Consistently, the pass and the run not being on the same wavelength, offside after offside. And they were all correct calls, by the way. And it was like a lot of them were just badly offside right and maybe in certain instances because Naikari is not that quick off the mark she felt like she had to go too early maybe that's a disadvantage but generally she's good at timing these things the pass wasn't coming some of it it could be down to Esther like three or four moments she definitely could have released the ball early but i thought this is one game where Esther's forward passing and link play was like just a pretty strong net positive like she was consistently or enough like semi-consistently at enough volume putting people in good positions and it just wasn't happening i mean naikari's best one of the game came from esther receiving turning instantly playing the through ball and she rushes her shot tries to do the same chip except from like 25 yards out and it doesn't go on goal i want to say that she should have really carried that run forward got closer to goal but the defender was on her ass and coming at her. And I think she felt that pressure. And, and that's another thing, right? Upper tier physical qualities like really matter, right? Like being fast is actually like a huge advantage. And Naikari was kind of getting you know, chased down in that moment. The one player who was getting in behind consistently was Athenea. And her final ball in those moments wasn't that great. She had a couple of shots that she wasn't able to convert. And I think that final action of hers before she gets subbed to the bench with a few minutes remaining where she's one-on-one on with the goalkeeper and she just botches it with a terrible touch that takes the ball away from her kind of sums up, not kind of her struggles in the final third, but I, I think is reflective of, of a lot of the frustrations Madrid had in this game, which is just in that moment, a loss of composure. And she was quite clearly like irritated with herself when she went to the bench, muttering to herself, like really, really unhappy. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, that she recognized it because it was a little frustrating to watch and it should have been Tuna well, well before Mike Day came on and made it happen. I've been all over the place with what I just talked about there, but I think that was like the fundamental nature of the match. What do you want to pick up from on there?
1: Yeah, I think early on, and this can kind of take us into that first goal, we saw a lot more creativity than we no- we normally see um, on set piece service with Terry and Zornosa taking them. I think in the 24th minute, we saw this cool little set piece where Terry got to the ball quickly. And before she even took her hand off the ball, she kind of played this low cross across to the onrushing Sfeva, turned into like a half chance. And I was like, that's a nice little. Variation and then ultimately, our first goal a different type of set piece that was used to draw defenders out and then take advantage of them in the 28th minute. Claudia Zornosa stands over it, plays the short corner to Terry. Terry returns it to Zornosa. Zornosa swings it in, and Rocio just peels off her defender at the back post and thumps that header in. Great header. We know Rocio can do this. She showed in preseason that she's a bit of a set piece specialist in this manner. And it was really good to see some of these more creative set pieces. And I think when you have Claudia, Zornosa, and Tere, alternating who's taking those is just a huge weapon. And I'm glad Toril has identified it as something that we can really take advantage of.
0: Just a neat little routine. As you said, one, two, free up Zornosa to take it from a better angle. Tenerife we're just not alert you can't allow Zornosa that much time and space to deliver the ball and then Rocio peeling away to the back post I mean that's not a bad target in the air we honestly all thought she was going to have more of these throughout the season but she gets one there that's one nil up and this is why set pieces are important because when things aren't clicking in open play you still have another option where Things are less dynamic. You have more time to set things up, and you have to take advantage of situations like these. We've talked about set-piece improvement under Pudu versus Aznar. So good routine, happy with it, really felt like we were in the driver's seat after this goal. Where do we want to go from here? I mean, right after that was that Naikari chance that you were talking about,
1: where Tenerife has like a bit more pressure toward the end of the half. They got the ball, and they looked to try and equalize potentially and they get a couple string string a couple corners together. Terry plays it to Esther. Esther turns, plays it to Naikari. She chips it wide. Um then there was the Misa chance that or the Misa save that you talked about as well 3 minutes later. And that was about it for the for the first half. Really did not have too many open play chances for either team in this, but Real Madrid were definitely the better team and deserved the one goal lead
0: heading into the half. I guess just some comments on some player performances. Then we've discussed it to death. I already mentioned it, but Ivana at right center back, it's just so much better on ball. I think this is just a clear example of everything she does just happens with a lot more confidence. She knows exactly how to make use of all the options she has on the right-hand side, and it's just better for her. And the switching back and forth is just really funny to me now because I, I, have, I'm no, I, I have no idea, like, where I think Toril and, and, and everyone else is like, at, is with this now. Like, I have, I genuinely have no idea what's happening. Like, I, I could at least intuit certain things in the past, right? Like, Ivana before coming to Real Madrid was a left center back. And because Toril has gone more traditional with Tere and Maite's positioning, he was just doing the same with Ivana. And now we've seen like two, three times she's been switched back and forth between right center back and left center back. So, is it an opposition thing? I really don't know. And this has been when she's been paired with Bobs and Rosio as well. So that makes it even more confusing, maybe in the Champions League now, if they don't deny us because they say it has to be an in-person press conference. I can ask him about that because I think there there is a question there now. But I I don't know. Every time we see her at right center back, I guess I'll just treasure it. It It was a very good performance. I picked her out as one of the three players who had notable performances that game and my three players who impressed peace. Would you say she played that well today or am I just always getting excited every time she plays on that side? No, I think our primary
1: chance creation in the first half, especially was Ivana or getting it on, get pulling it toward the, uh, the left flank and then playing long balls to Athenaya who was running off the back shoulder and I think that Ivana and Terry both did an excellent job doing that. And they linked up well out of the back as well. I think Ivana had a really strong performance offensively and, and did her
0: job defensively as well. I thought most people were pretty good today. And I would say the, even the player that struggled the most, Carolina Muller Hansen, mm-hmm. had strong moments. Like I think in your match notes, you mentioned that one of the better sequences that we had involved Muller obviously she's a quality player we like her a lot on this podcast we like her more than most madrid fans i think but the right wing just doesn't feel like the place for her i think you can you have the debate about left wing versus center forward to me that's an entirely different discussion because i think you just get the least out of everything you want from her on the right hand side right her dribbling becomes a bit tougher because she's right foot dominant so turning inside becomes that much harder So she's just basically constantly having to play to the outside. She doesn't have elite separation off the dribble. And so that makes things a little tougher for her. She has to be a little tricky. And if she can mainly only go one way, it becomes a little easier for defenders to deal with. A lot of her work on that side of the pitch involved her receiving under pressure on the touchline, and she just wasn't able to turn out of it. There were a lot of turnovers that came from that her best moments when we have seen her playing from the right is the off ball stuff. You're running into channels and things like that. And there wasn't too much of that today. So I, I mean, I don't know how controversial anything I'm saying is, but I think that was just an interesting thing. Another data point as we all try to figure out where is it that we should be playing Carolina Muller Hansen. I was feeling really bullish about the idea because we saw it versus athletic of, why not just swap Esther and Muller? Esther is basically going to be able to do her thing, just slightly more biased to the right-hand side. Kenty can become more aggressive and keep the width, And Muller can get more involved in areas that could probably be more comfortable for her if she's the one playing behind Naikari. And we'll get to see what that relationship looks like. And maybe she would have been the one player out of everyone to actually filter those two balls in on time. Plus she would have made really intelligent runs from those positions. Am I like taking too much from that athletic game or, or was that worth trying especially when things were getting a little frustrating and, and we needed to find a way to get that second goal.
1: I, I don't see anything wrong with trying it in this game, especially if you could just like pass a note or her, you know, just ha- ha- do it for 15 minutes, see if it produces anything. If it doesn't, you just com- you switch back quickly. like I don't think there's any... real detractor from trying that in a game where you're looking to double the lead. You already have the goal. Tenerife weren't really threatening, so why not move things around a little bit? You're not changing anything too much structurally to try and get players in better positions and, and find that goal.
0: I'm really feeling using esther and quote-unquote unorthodox positions because like after i saw that we, we actually have seen her on the wing like bits and pieces when we had to like sub players on and stuff like that it's really not that different from when she plays as a striker because she just does the same thing no matter where she plays which is drop to the ball a lot look to help progression hold up play carry the ball maybe a little too much and she's still going to find a way to get into the box. She's just she's just the same player everywhere. And it's weird because in certain instances, we, we want her to, to think more about what the role entails and play within that. But in a certain sense, it adds a weird level of flexibility because if she's going to play the same way everywhere because the role and position just doesn't mean that much because she's just going to do her thing. And the thing she's doing is dropping off to the ball and connecting play. That kind of works in any position in the forward line, as long as you have balance elsewhere. And when you have wing backs like Sveva and Kenty, I'm not that worried about providing width. So I just think that's something to think about, especially as the injury issues with Cardona continue. And we really have to think critically about whether Muller is best out there on the right, whether swapping her with Atenea back and forth on the flanks is enough, which we've done in previous games, I would really consider it. It would give us a much more asymmetric look in possession, but I I think it would actually aid us in like generating overloads in the center when otherwise we, we don't, or we might struggle to like, I honestly feel like I'm just talking myself into like that being one of our better lineups. Maite well, we've or, seen him
1: experience or experiment that kind of thing with Maite, and I think that Esther fits the role so much better.
0: Yeah, I think she fits the role so much better because, again, th- that's the funny thing, right? Because when Maite played there, she played to the restraints of the role. And that was, a, that was the problem, right? Because if, it was, if she was going to be effective there, she actually needed to just do it in a different way and not be a winger, be a false winger. And it's, it's just really funny to me how the way things can work in football. Like just make a context in a certain way and pair it up with a certain tendency and and profile of a player. And it can and something can work out in ways you well, I say can work out as if like we have this grand sample size, but in my mind can work out. It's just it's really funny because thinking of Esther as a portable player via giving you this sort of like positional flexibility just feels bizarre. But I think it's actually logical in that her scalability is limited by this ball dominance and the fact that she won't release passes that quickly. But it also kind of enhances it because she can then play anywhere across the front line. It's super super weird, but I honestly, right now, if we're talking about a four four two four two three one and no Cardona or Cardona is like off form, whatever, and obviously assuming Asani is still remains in and out of the lineup, I think the best. 11, we have is some configuration of Esther, false right winger, and either Maite or Muller playing behind Naikari and Atene on the left wing. And then you can alternate who you want in midfield. I personally prefer Tere Zornoza, but we know Kassi when she comes back, like she's just kind of a lock alongside Zornoza And then whoever you want in fullbacks and then Ivana and whoever you want at center back and then Misa. I don't know, Grant, like that actually sounds pretty good to me. How do you feel about it? Am that I, like, just <laughs> sounds pretty it?
1: awesome. I think that would be really fun. And I think it would help us get numbers into the box, help us have some more creativity, fluidity, and maybe a, li- a little bit more bite in the final third, which is, is what we've really kind of lacked. You know, we've been super clinical, especially with Esther in those positions, but we haven't created an abundance of chances. And I think that this is, a lineup that you get a lot of, well, the majority of your creative and attacking players in the line, your best attacking players in the lineup. Because, I mean, you can't have your best lineup without Maite in it. You can't have it without Esther in it right now, along with some of those midfielders you talked about, Athenea. So it becomes difficult trying to mix and match how you get all these players on the field in optimal positions. And I think that this is one of the ways where you get The most or the the majority of your best players on the field in positions that are
0: mostly optimal, if that makes sense. I think it works in theory. Like, I really think it does. I would assume it's really not going to happen unless Terrell feels forced into it. Like, for example, when Maite was not working out there, he's like, okay, I have to change something, but I don't have wing options on the bench. Or I didn't want to put Muller out there. I can't remember exactly who was playing versus Athletic Bilbao, Las Blancas podcast guys, Real Madrid Femino you know, experts. But, and I say, I, I don't think he he'll turn to that as a primary option because it seems like very antithetical to what his idea is for this team right now, which is to play with very, very wide wingers whenever he can. And the one time it looked different was when Esther was out there. But, I don't really like that idea. I, I've been pretty frank with it on the podcast. I don't think it's particularly modern way of playing with you know two players in the same line on the touchline with Esther out there. And again, like she's going to be roaming all over the place, but in a lot of instances, just via pure chance, let's say we will have Esther right half space, Mike Muller left half space in front of a double pivot. Like that gives us an overload in the center of the pitch, like this box for overload with Naikari pinning the center backs and like the amount of stress that that will put on midfield lines is going to provide tons of options for us to filter balls, vertical passes, but then also is going to end up creating space for Ateneo on the left-hand side, right? It's going to give space for Kenti to bomb forward and do what she does best, which is going forward on the overlap, which kind of gets restricted when we're playing with these wide wingers. It's very intriguing to me. And I think it personally creates a better dynamic in possession than what we have right now. I'm really interested to see how people react to this (laughs) and whether they think I'm saying something sacrilegious or not. But I'd be very interested if people can can contest the logic that I put forth here. So yeah, that, and, and this obviously being as long as Cardona is out, because when, when she's fit, I want to work her in back into the 11 and give her the benefit of the doubt that she can work her way back to where she used to be, which is, I think can happen as long as this, in, these injuries don't keep coming back to bite her. So where are we in this game? I'm taking us all over the place. I think we're rolling into the second half here. Yeah. I say we done with the first half. Second half, what do we want to say? Because I would say it's mainly the same dynamic, right? Like, I was uh-huh. curious about whether Granadier were going to change what they were doing, but they just make a sub, Jacina Blom, for and San. And it kind of felt like they were just doing the same thing, perhaps trying to be more aggressive, being more intense, because they're now searching for the goal. But... Basically, we were still doing the same things, right? Getting into the final third the same ways, and our failures were still the same when it came to trying to create chances, right?
1: Yeah, and I thought we actually did even a better job getting into the final third, and maybe even a worse job uh, putting those chances away until my came on. Overall, it it got a little more transitional. I thought Real Madrid was the better team for pretty much the entirety of the game than like you said in that in that end of the toward the end of the second half, Tenerife just kind of went at us, got more numbers forward because this was also a must-win game for them, like it was for us, and they were looking for that goal, but it just never felt like it was coming, and they didn't it'd be interesting if we had the stats because it doesn't it didn't even feel like they had any box entries, a lot of shots from distance other than that one Martin Prieto chance. I can't think of too many times that they had the ball in our area other than on corner kicks.
0: Yeah, it was mostly set pieces rolling along in the 69th minute, we see triple substitutions on our end. Olga comes on for Carolina Muller, or sorry, not triple substitution, double substitution. There were double substitutions for both teams. So Olga comes on for for Carolina Muller. And my day comes on for Naikari, and I was disappointed for Naikari because I, I really felt like she could have got a goal in this one. Like, I know she missed that chance, but I, there, were, there was at least one more I felt that was going to come. And should she stay until the full 90, there would have been another big one for her, but she should have taken that chance. And so she comes off, no doubt, a bit of a frustrating night for her, but good signs that, like, there are certain dynamics in which Naikari can, can kind of thrive in this team. Now the 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 thinking should be how do we force this more often, which in my argument would be you need more central presence, blah, blah, blah. We already kind of talked about that. So that was our double substitution. And Olga plays on the left, and Maite plays in the number 10 position, and Atenea plays out on the right. For a second there, I had I had just slipped it slipped my mind how exactly we have reorganized. But then I remember Atthee was out there, and yeah, so she goes to the right wing and so' it's the same shape, same structure everything. and we get to see Mike day as a 10. How did you think she performed right let's let's just talk about Mike day leading up to to the goal that she ends up scoring. Grant. What did you see from her?
1: I thought she instantly came on and you can see the connection that her and There have. thought they linked up pretty well. when she's on as well, I think you see a bit more interchangeability in that double pivot where might they can sometimes drop back and terry can go forward and vice versa and i thought it was a pretty impactful substitution substitute performance um granted i was writing the immediate reaction in live tweeting at the same time so i didn't have my eyes glued to the screen but i think that overall she made an impact
0: i thought she was quite good when my day comes on playing from that role there's a lot of interchangeability as you said and she just keeps play flowing at an extremely crisp pace. I don't know how many central midfielders in the league affect the tempo of the game in a more positive manner than she does from advanced positions. And so that was nice to see, though it soon became clear that Maite was not immune from these weird decisions or lack of decisions and transitions. There was clearly one moment, I forget what minute, but she's carrying the ball, carrying the ball. There's passes on either side, but if she could just filter it through to Athenea on the right, potentially a one versus one or she can play a square ball for potential tapping and she just holds it holds it holds it and the entire thing shuts down and it's like if it's happening to my day like i guess there's just something in the air today that that is causing us to act like this but she quickly makes up for it when she picks up a ball on the edge of the box dances past the defender in like a very typical might day way like i don't act. I actually feel like we've seen a lot of times where she goes by a defender in that exact way in a very similar position and either puts a shot on goal or close to goal, or in this occasion scores where she like takes the ball out of her feet really well, takes kind of a small touch to create separation. And that's when the challenge comes. And then she takes another really quick touch to beat the defender. Then there's the final touch to set her up for the shot. And she just lashes that thing really nice technique. She just has something off the dribble in those types of situations that just allows her to create that separation without being a particularly explosive player. Just something about the way the footwork comes together. And yeah, that was a really nice goal. I breathed a sigh of relief because I was kind of thinking like, man, given kind of how end to end it is just one counterattack and Martin Prieto gets in behind and she can finish. And we regret the way we played this game for the rest of the season. That calmed me down a little bit. It was like, all right, we got the deserved goal. 2-0. It's over. You can talk more about Mike if you want, but I, I think this is a good possible time to for you to just spend however long you want to just waxing lyrical on Teresa Beira, who... I think was probably the best player across 90 minutes. I won't go
1: too long because I am working on something for managing Madrid. So keep your eyes on that. There should hopefully be some video analysis and uh, an article to go along with it. But I mean, what a performance today. I think when she's next to Zorinosa, and obviously when she's with Maite as well in that I think that midfield three gives us something different. It takes maybe away from our attack because you can't have all these players on the field, but we have something different when those three are on the pitch, and you saw that at the end of the game. But her ability to just read what the two forwards pressing were doing and the midfield line behind it and be able to open up constantly, whether it's on a goal kick to receive in turn and start moving the ball forward or constantly offering as outlets all over the pitch, then getting the ball, playing forward passes, and continuing her run forwards. I mean, she was just pulling the strings in all ways and everything good that Real Madrid was doing today. I think she did an exceptional job of turning out of pressure, playing out of pressure, and then serving as kind of a fulcrum to switch the point of the attack. I talked about those crossfield passes to Athenea. She had some really good penetrative balls. I think it was just a complete midfield performance. And every once in a while, Terry has one of these. And it wasn't just offensively. I think she did a really good job of reading passing lanes, picking the ball off of players in Tenerife's midfield or final third, and then spring transition moments. She she just has this potential to really take over a game, and when she does, it's I love watching it. She, that's why she's one of my favorite players on this team. And yeah, I was just really enjoying this game. I'm enjoying the rewatch that I've started as well. If you can get this Tere, this influential, you know, progressive pass, defensive dominance, every game like this team goes to a whole new level because she's a special player when she's on her day.
0: Yeah, the defensive aspect worth highlighting again. I think we've seen enough now to know that she has this knack for creating high turnovers and pressing and counterpressing situations. Because she comes in with a lot of aggression. Her timing is good. Her technique in the tackle is good. And these are like really valuable defensive interventions because they directly lead to offensive transition. And we say it again and again, but just because Kasi might be more of a defensive specialist doesn't mean that Tere and Maite are not good defensively. And Tere has like something especially unique with those high turnovers, the way she can just fly in there, seemingly out of nowhere. Obviously, it's not out of nowhere. It's, it's calculated and she's positioned correctly and, and create offense for us. So really pleased with her performance. I'm, I'm really excited for, for this article that Grant's going to write. I think it's been a while since you've done one of those pieces with, with the analysis and everything. So I'm looking forward to it. The final subs for the game, just so we can say we cover basically everything. Carlo Camacho comes on for Atanero Castillo in the 87th minute. And then in the 91st minute, Bobs comes on for Rocio. Paula Partillo comes on for Esther. I really feel like there was something I wanted to say before that, but I cannot quite remember. You got anything else you want to say about this game? Not
1: really, but I mean, I just want to emphasize again that this was a must win game. I mean, I wrote it in, in the, the pre-match How to Watch article. I mentioned it multiple times in this. You know, if we lose this game to a direct rival, it's not over, but it would have been much more difficult. But now, like Ohm said at the very beginning, we're in the driver's seat. Our fate is in our hands. And if we continue to put in performances like this and clean it up in the final third, you know what I thought was impossible when Osnar was still at the wheel could actually happen if this team can can stay in it. The schedule's going to get congested again with the Copa de la Reina rescheduled match eventually and then the the Champions League games against Barcelona. But I think you just got to turn all eyes to the league right now. Um you've got to realistically there's no chance that we're that we're advancing past Barcelona. I don't think you completely sandbag it. But you got to look at those league games and really prioritize those because we're not in the Champions League next year unless we get to third place or second place or win the Champions League, which is not going to happen. So we need to make sure that we get into that third place spot so that we could be in the Champions League next year.
0: Destiny is in our hands. That feels good to say. Yeah. So what I wanted to say wasn't really anything big. I just wanted to like kind of reiterate like how nice it is to see Maite Zornoza today that BR3 in midfield and just how good the ball circulation and progression looks with that midfield yeah that's it huge huge victory and look we're halfway through now it's March 19th at time of recording at time of victory we have gotten past Athletic Club with the victory we've gotten out of that Horrible match versus Atleti with the victory. We took the L versus Barca, and now we've come away with this match versus Granadilla with the victory. And what's ahead is two Champions League matches versus Barca and one more league match versus Levante in the Mancha March. And then it's Sporting Jova, well, Alivez, Madrid, CFF, Valencia, and Villarreal, the Madrid Darby, the secondary Darby, definitely not one we should take for granted. But the rest of these opponents on paper, much more winnable than the opponents we just face and are going to face in Levante. Obviously, somewhere along the way, Grant mentioned the Copa de la Reina match needs to, to come in. But I would have to imagine that's April because it's midweek match, weekend match, midweek match going into the end of March. So that's what the schedule looks like ahead. We're halfway through and really It's one more we have to win in Levante because we all know what's going to happen versus Barca. Any final words, Rant? No, huge win. I mean, it's
1: exciting to watch this team play well again. I think that so much of the first half of the season was kind of a downer because we were talking about the same things and we were not playing well and we were not getting good results, but this team has really turned it around and it's something very... It's something very telling about their, their mental strength, their ability to, to bounce back, and really, you know, hasta el final, vamos real, because this thing, like, like I said, I thought it was out of reach, but it is definitely within reach
0: now. All right, guys, as always, thanks for listening. We will be with you guys the very next match, which will be Barca, Tuesday, March 22nd. 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think we all know where to watch it. The Zones YouTube channel will be for free. We'll see you guys then. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid.